0: Wise Men Say Sun FM Preview Show, with Jennings Kia, next to the Stadium of Light. Kia 7-year warranty with all new cars, main dealer servicing and guaranteed parts.
1: Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast preview show with Sun FM, where we have a win and loss to over, as well as talking about the trip to Elland Road. I'm Stephen Goldsmith, and I'm flying the flag without Gareth Barker tonight, which I absolutely didn't forget about until a couple of hours ago, reaching out to everybody in my contact book, but being school holidays and being short notice, I've ended up with Mickey Loft, who joins us most weeks uh, anyway.
2: Well, you've really screwed up the barrel again, haven't you? So
1: I don't even need to do that for you, Michael. You, you, come, you come willingly. Out, well... of, out of the barrel. <laughs> Jumping out of the barrel. Jumping out of it, yeah. Uh, putting your name forward F- for Throwing it. my hat into the ring. Exactly. You know what? There's nothing wrong with that. We really do appreciate it. Um, so we have lots to get through tonight actually, there's just the two of us, so I did um, actively seek for engagement on Twitter and we got a lot, so we've, we will get through um, some of your tweets, thanks for engaging. it just goes to show really that you don't want to be doing that every week because you just talk about the same things, because people have the same questions. Yep. Am I talking, about, am I talking you around here, into thinking that I'm organised? Um, not really. No? Okay. I mean, you have uh, lifted the lid
2: a little bit earlier where you admitted that we were scrambling around for guests for about two or three hours this afternoon. No, so.
1: mm, it's scrambling around, like, texting some people, uh, if, if you want to go. No, I'm using,
2: like, transfer deadline day kind of lingo. Well, Wait, like,
1: I, I kind of do understand what managers might go through when they get knocked back by players. <laughs> Because um, uh-huh. I just kept getting no, 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 so no.
2: So we we never leading the race to sign anybody this afternoon. Didn't seem no? like
1: it. Didn't seem like nah. it. Uh, we've got Chris Coleman to hear from tonight as well. Um, so that should thicken out things as well. But we well we've got two games to talk about. Um, three if you including the upcoming game against Leeds. But we've got two to review and want to preview. Uh, I just want to read an email out that we received midweek. Uh, it goes like this: Gents, love your podcast. Like the shout out about Australians damaging the ball. That's a reference to cricket, Michael, that is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big cricket fan. I know you are, yeah. I know you are. <laughs> um, I think the back four have been doing that every game. As an Australian born Sunderland supporter, there are three of us. One is a sports broadcaster, David Schwartz who I googled after this. (laughs) Um, I suspect you may already know this, but Sunderland recently were only one of the championship clubs not to sign up to the Televising International Agreement, which we've discussed before on the show, haven't we? So there's no possible way to receive any Sunderland game in Oceania, not even the commentary, killing the next generation. Question for us. With the new information that Sunderland were giving away up to 9,000 tickets per whole match... (laughs) hmm. Um, borderline fake news. Yeah. Sort of <laughs> <laughs> um are the discussions about crowds now redundant? So I guess the point he's making is, if you're looking at perhaps thirty thousand anywhere, there were twenty nine thousand now the weekend. Yeah, uh, what did you think about the the attendance? What What did you think it was? Because Chris, of course, Chris Coleman made this rallying call after the Derby win before the Sheffield Wednesday game.
2: It looked, it looked full of a normal. It looked a lot nearer to the official attendance figure than it has done all season. I would say that. And I actually think the atmosphere was decent. I think that the crowd got behind the team. Um, even when we went a goal down, obviously it helped that we got back into the game immediately. But I think the fans saw we're on the front foot and the tackling. But in terms of attendances... I think that the thing which really affected the rallying cry was, was the weather. Because if you were kind of a bit of a floating vote when you'd heard Chris's speech and you were seeing ticket holders being a bit disillusioned, if you look out the window on the morning of a match and you see that outside, you're not going to really like be infused mm-hmm. to go along the match. It a are shame, you? that wasn't it? It, it really was. Because, like you say, if you don't have the natural inclination to go to the match anyway, I don't think you could have been swayed off the back of like one
1: performance. 100 mile hour wind and sleet blowing in your like, as you're walking mm, down the street. Exactly. we well, just finish off that email because uh, I did. I did and um, bring it to a close which is quite rude Um, have you boys seen the recent YouTube video what if Sunderland kept their best 11 it's so depressing that's the reason I'm not going to watch that Uh, cheese boys Mitch so thanks Mitch for that email I did a look into David Schwartz actually very popular broadcaster in Australia um, axed very controversially from a radio show uh, in December I believe Despite listening figures being good and all that stuff, so there's a, even a petition. So if you want to go and do that? Have a look. If he's a it's Sunderland it's, fan, if he's a
2: massive lad's fan, yeah, well.
1: well, I mean, it's it's never good when we. There are a few. There are a few broadcasters uh, like Sunderland fans who listen to the show. Um, you'd think I'd feel pressurised by that—the the <laughs> fact that they're professionals and they listen to this shambolic attempt of um, a production—but I don't care.
2: Maybe it's a little bit of like uh, like an ego boost for them to listen to this and they think, "Oh well, <laughs> yeah. <I'm...
1: laughs> yeah, I can't be that bad. Surely I sound better than that." Yeah, I pronounce all my words properly and stuff. I... Who cares? We, we're supposed to be sure for the exiles as well, and they like to hear that thick Macamac scent Definitely. stumbling their way through sentences. And through life. (laughs) Um what I want to mention is that we We had some Twitter banter, didn't we? Did you notice that? Was Um, was
2: much much banter passed between us.
1: Not everybody is on Twitter, um, but what I decided what I was going to do actually I put a tweet out to say I'm gonna I'm gonna look at some of the things that have happened to Sunderland this season, sort of let's have a laugh at ourselves. Um la and all that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and then what happened is my phone died after I sent out the first tweet. And I, that, and I thought, oh, well, that's going to look stupid because I'm like, let's have some better things about this season. The first one went out and then nothing else is going to come out. But then when I turned my phone back on, everybody had engaged, which was brilliant. Uh, the reason I'm bringing that up is because I want people to continue to do that. I want people to encourage people to continue to do that because what we're going to do in a couple of weeks is have like an end of season we're going to put it into a timeline that runs through the season. A timeline of banter. Exactly. So we'll start at the beginning of the season. We'll, we'll, we'll read some of these out. So if you're not on on Twitter, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples, some of the ones that I think particularly worked quite well. Um, we started the thread by saying 26-year-old multi-millionaire football Jack Rodwell, saying that him tearing his contract up would leave him jobless. Uh, Jake Clark Salter getting sent off and suspended for three matches, returning and then getting sent off again and suspended for two further games. Uh, Sunderland's Twitter account still having a pumpkin emoji in their username when they announced Grayson sacking because it was Halloween. Losing 5-0 at home to Celtic to celebrate 20 years at the Stadium of Light. Jimmy White presenting the trophy and Darren Gibson turning up steaming at a wedding afterwards. Nottingham Forest sacking their entire coaching staff after we beat them 1-0 with our own shot. And it continues like that. And what we'll try and do is we'll put some, we'll put a timeline on it. If you can continue, just go on to Twitter um, and send in some of the words. Obviously, we do get some uh, duplicates in there, but we're going to patent that idea right now. And we're going to do that in a couple of weeks. And we're going to uh, look at Sunderland's season from start to finish. Uh, did you see the players were out today? Or oh, not out, but they were... Um, visiting the under-9s. They went to Caterpillar last week, didn't they? Yeah. And they met new recruits from the under-9 academy side today, taking measures to build confidence to new levels, aren't they? Organising a the game against the under-9s. rumours
2: are they've got b 3 once so not how well The, r- so well, exactly. sure how the, the result
1: is. wasn't published by the media team, and I think that speaks volume. They probably did lose well, that game. Just
2: before we go on to that, wasn't there a... A story going around under Laurie McMenamy, we had a training session down the beach that I wrote to give him something a little bit different and we went one nil down to a set of corns because yes. we were doing shape work and then went to play back to the keeper and it bobbled off a corner into the goal.
1: Yep, Gordon Armstrong tells a story and it was when um, Laurie McMenamy we were losing under him and he said oh. something like we have even beaten ourselves here lads because um, the ball cannoned off the corner and went past the keeper at nil nil. so that was the first well, goal of the at the least
2: kid. there's a little bit of dignity losing to the actual human beings no matter how young we are I guess yeah well
1: did you see the penalty the young kid took come? I tell you what I think even if he dived he'd have been struggling there it was a brilliant strike I'm expecting to see this young kid fast tracked into the side or certainly yeah. blogs pop up saying that he should be included get the kids in I mean exactly
2: I mean hopefully we'll be able to like play like play as him on FIFA in the near future we can all look at his rate and then predict like where he'll be in five years time and stuff so it be worth
1: keeping an eye on yeah, he'll probably score for like Ipswich against Sunderland in fifteen years' time or something, and then that video will surface, and it'll be an example of why Sunderland uh, aren't very good at doing stuff. And kind of see that happening. Yeah, all without a doubt. That will be Sunderland all over. Um, so right, what we're going to do is then when we come back, we're going to brush over the two games uh, that we played. Um, bank holiday weekend we're going to look forward to Leeds and we're going to have a look at some of your tweets look forward <laughs> yeah well you know what I mean
0: wise men say Sun FM preview show with Jennings Kia next to the stadium of light Kia seven year warranty with all new cars main dealer servicing and guaranteed parts
1: ok Sunderland had two games over the Easter bank holiday weekend good Friday we were on uh, Sky as well i tell you what Michael I looked at the starting eleven. Um, when the club tweeted out what the team would be, um, now Colney and McNair starting probably helped dictate this. But I looked at that side and I thought relegation should not be an issue with that start eleven that's being put out. Uh, it's still it was still lacking firepower, obviously. Um, the goalkeeping ke- ability is a big thing, and we're lacking big physical presence in the middle of the park. But whoever the manager is of that football team. I looked at that and I thought this should not be bottom of the table. Would Com- you agree with that? Completely agree, completely.
2: Um, but like you say, I mean, I know there you mentioned that down the spine of the team, maybe don't have a physicality. But when you looked at the other the other night, Corner he's about six three and he's six four. Yep. Paddy McNair's over six foot yep. and Ashley Fletcher's over six foot. And by our standards, that's massive, really, considering some of the size we fielded. In uh, my recent
1: weeks, so, yeah. Mm. I mean, Paddy Mick, you can't underestimate how, how no. big he is for us. Um, but the, the result itself, we did see this last season as well, didn't we, when we went to Crystal Palace and won 4-0, um, where it give people a glimmer of hope, didn't it, then thinking, you know, Ah. there's a chance here, you know, if if this has all come together, that's all it can take one week. Look at Birmingham, for
2: example, it's clicked for them. I think it's slightly different in this scenario because the Palace result actually came in February last year Hmm. and I think at that sort of stage, we were only a couple of points off getting out anyway. So I think at that stage of a Palace game, although it was a massive, well, it should have been a massive morale boost, I don't think it was quite as significant as a result on Friday because we all went into the game and we looked at how other results had gone and you did look at it and you thought, right, this is absolutely last chance alone, we must win tonight. And um, and yeah, we went there. And, it sh- and again, it should have been a massive confidence boost because what impressed me about Friday's performance was we did the other team to Derby, sorry, what other teams have done to us all season. We weren't necessarily fantastic, I think we played well, but what we did, I've talked on the show again and again i have bored people silly about moments in games and on Friday, all the big moments, we executed perfectly. So, obviously, we got a bit of good fortune with the first goal from George Honeyman. But how many times have we not had a shot in mm. that situation and not took it on? Actually, Fletcher, he missed a couple of easier chances. But he took his goal brilliantly and he capitalised on an error, which is what you've got to do. Obviously, we've got the penalty for the third goal. And then um, John O'Shea, in fairness, he was alive in the six-yard mm. box. And he, and, he, and he took it better than most of our strikers this season. To so. a
1: football fan watching that game in isolation, they don't think they're looking at... You know, I, I mean, I know Derby out of form. Um, oh, I would suggest and, and, two mid-table
2: sides. I hmm. would say on Friday, looking
1: at that, hmm. which makes the whole thing more depressing, doesn't oh, it? Because it just it just shows that there's something gone on drastically, oh. um, but you know, behind the scenes that that, that makes it so. Um, before we move on just to the Sheffield Wednesday game, because I think we're going to get more out of that, because that that brought up some of the things we've been talking about week after week. Um, we've slagged Fletcher off. You touched on it there. Credit for his performance Friday. It wouldn't be fair if we didn't do that. Oh
2: Yeah, he, he was really good, as I say. I mean, he had that volley at, um, just before half-time, and the technique was awful, to be honest with you. He should have hit that like... He should have hit that as like a more side volley rather than trying to hit it straight on like he did. But over, overall, he was really good. He held the ball up brilliantly, obviously. He took his goal well, and it was just about a complete centre-forward display, I would argue, on Friday. So, yeah, absolutely, credit where credit's due.
1: He okay, didn't quite replicate it uh, against Sheffield Wednesday. He looked better he, than, he did, than he has been definitely. in recent weeks. Still frustrating on some levels, but again... This is a young player we've got on loan, you know. I, I think it was. His, I think
2: his work rate was much improved on uh, Monday. mine. I thought he got himself around the pitch a lot Extra more. Extra spring in his. Yeah, step. he
1: did. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Um, the manager made a rallying call. We've we've touched upon that. Um, I I agree with you. I think there were more fans there than there have been. Um, I would suggest it was quite close to the twenty nine thousand that yeah. that had said. I think the probability is, uh, and I can speak anecdotally about people I know. The majority of those who came back were probably season ticket haulers who've been staying away. I would absolutely agree with that, yeah. More than five thousand people reading Chris Coleman's letter, open letter, and then rushing to the ticket office to go and buy a <laughs> ticket. No, no, I I think um, especially not
2: a £25 a pop. I'm not having the massive cut the price instructions like the cut, yeah. I'm just I'm just saying like when um obviously like when like money's tight, etc., et people aren't <clears> just gonna go out on the back of a rallying call, like you say, but like you say, if you've already got a ticket for the game I don't even think it's a rallying call. I just think you win a game of football. It's mm, as simple as that. Yeah, that helped. Didn't you, it? you know what I mean? And like you probably an open letter
1: following a 5 0 drumming at Pride Park isn't gonna. Uh, is it called Pride? It's not called Pride Park anymore, is it? I think it is. Is it? Whatever. A derby. 5 0 drumming a derby. Well, well, at least followed by an open letter is not going to get people <laughs> rushing back, is it?
2: Exactly, man. I don't know about yourself, but you. You know what I mean? like. I know we had the result on Saturday, but you kind of enjoyed the weekend a bit more so like people like, have that spring in the step and I think it was nice on Saturday I was just really engaged again with the with the league and football in general so in recent weeks I've known how many points adrift we are but I haven't even been massively looking at other teams results, I've been like oh it's curtains were down anyway but Saturday I was like intently following the Ipswich-Birmingham game all afternoon mm-hmm. I was devastated with that result but then I kept on thinking to myself all Sunday up if we win it's only, t- only two points behind etc etc and and on Monday, I had all the emotions and feelings that you kind of are supposed to have as a football fan. So, going to the game, I felt really nervous. I felt like tense. I, you know what I mean? And like, I wasn't just going out of habit. I was actually really kind of like looking forward to it. And then, obviously, we all know what happened and then, next. But
1: this would happen, wouldn't it? If, if they could put some results together. And oh, exactly. Like, like you, a lot of people I know came away from the Sheffield Wednesday game th- feeling genuinely gutted I and said, I absolutely feel devastated. Where. Previously, they were almost immune to that or numb to the to the pain because the players have been thrown the towel in. Uh-huh. They, they absolutely have. Whatever Corbyn or anybody says, there have been some games they've thrown the towel in and they've been cowards at yep. times. Uh-huh. That wasn't the case. Um, again, Sheffield Wednesday. We're going to get on to the defending in a little bit. Um, some positives, I think. <laughs> People are going to think I'm like related to Paddy McNair, I think. But, I mean... He controlled the game first half, I thought. Dictated things. Ran out of steam second. Understandable. Um, And it got me annoyed thinking about Rodwell again. (laughs) Um, Because we talk about the lack of physicality, and it's a fair point. Sheffield Wednesday had some big boys in the middle of the park. Ultimately won them a game, in my opinion. Well, McNair and Rodwell should just be better than just about anything that league has to offer. Yeah, because McNair,
2: I mean make no balls about he's a good player Paddy McNair like he um, he played um, in the Manchester derby didn't he under Louis van Gaal so like <clears throat> I know you can say what you want about Van Gaal but you know what I mean he, he played there for a reason he he got some like, good minutes as well playing for Man United you don't get that if you're a bad player and he had his problems with injuries last season I think he was just starting to come into himself he played really well in that whole game that yep. he got injured in yep. and I think we were just starting to see him putting his own stamp on things and then this season again he's had a really frustrating season with injuries but I think you talked there about Rodwell McNair, at least when McNair plays, he gives 100%, and he shows and he and he takes ownership of games. I mean, I've talked before about effort and I think there's a difference between the kind of like Lee-Catlamour sort of effort where you run around like a bit of a blue arse fly and then you've got um, the, um, the effort that Paddy McNair has been putting in where you step up to the plate, you want the ball, you're showing for the ball and for me, that's the best way you can channel it.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I yeah, and... and... We spoke lots of times about how, if we had a better keeper, we would be in a better position. But even factoring in how bad our keepers have been, I think, if McNair's fit all season and Watmore's fit all season, Sunderland are probably seven points better off, at least. Um, A degree of sympathy as well, I think, um, with the way things materialise in terms of decisions from the referee. Um, At 1-1, when they scored their second, it was never a foul for a free kick, in my opinion. No. I haven't seen it back, would you agree? I I haven't seen it back. It was a boy who went across and he knew what he was doing, and he played for the free kick, and he went down. My instinct was it wasn't a free kick. Yeah, the ref has bought it, Um, and then when it was level, we should have had a blatant... No, sorry, when we were 2-1 down, we should have had a blatant penalty. Catamall hits the inside of the post, and um, then we should have had a blatant penalty. That would be a second yellow for Bannon, he goes off. There was also a time when... I thought Steele uh, to be not Steele Camp to be fair, somebody who was marketed as somebody who was quite streetwise and and, and been around the block and be good to have around the defence and, and the dressing room. There was a stage when he um, kept the ball in, yeah. um, prevented it from going behind for a corner, and Barry Bannon was clearly agitated, and he ran and you could see he's going he's gonna charge the keeper here, and he nudged into Camp. If Camp goes down, that's a second yellow card and that's yep. that's a sending off as well. Mm-hmm. So there are little things like that. And then also
2: with like Camp was a backpass incident where the, What did you think of that? Well I mean I'm like I'm a goalkeeper, like when I was younger I played like a fairly decent standard, like nothing obviously like brilliant, but and I don't actually think there's anything wrong with Camp looking at the referee and asking the question. Yeah, because I would do What that did if, the referee say? Well, evidently well he said he can pick it up. Didn't, didn't he? look like he did to me. Well
1: because d- I was behind the goal and right, I saw okay. Camp ask the ref so because I saw Camp ask the ref I looked at the ref right. it looked to me like the ref was nodding his head if I'm being honest
2: right so I, I'm in the I'm the south stand so right. when you say that you think he's nodding the head saying saying that you, you can't you can pick it up you can after. pick it up yeah. and I think, yeah, I yeah. think oh, just panic that's what I was saying to alright oh, ok sorry. yeah, because that's what I've heard from people like yourself who have been in right, the sorry. north stand ok yeah yeah, so yeah. So I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with asking the question because mm. you've got time to do it, but then if you get the answer that you can pick it
1: up, then why are you asking the question in the first yeah. place? That, that's. I, it's interesting you see how other people saw that because that's how I saw it. And that's, I mean, that's panic. And again, you know, like the Bannon incident, that's not somebody who's streetwise, that's, you know, you might as well be a 19-year-old kid playing if he's going to react like that.
2: But then, I mean, as I say, like even... You watch it, and as I say, it's not even playing like in goal with very yeah. high level at all. You're looking at just thinking, like, for, like, what are you doing? It's just, it's just elementary stuff you learn when you when you were a kid. Mm. I mean, yeah. one of the, the under nines goalkeeper probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs>
1: we should get like, him in. We should get him in. Uh, we have got a question about the goalkeeper. And we're going to hear from Chris Coleman about that Um as well. They're defending for for their goal now. We've seen us defend like this all season. I think what what I find is interesting is when people say. What's Coleman doing with the defence? How's he drilling the defence? He was an international defender, remember. Kit Simons was an international defender. They should be making us defend better. Now, facing goal, there was nothing wrong with the way Sunderland defended no. at all. That's what gets drilled into you in training. Yep. You know, that, that, that is defending as a shape and as a unit. It was good. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday didn't look threatening at all. The issue is when the defending facing goal and the balls are coming across the box, that's not really anything Coleman can do. No. You're relying on ability, and you're relying on agility, and you're relying on defenders and goalkeepers to read the game better and to to, to sense the danger, to sniff the danger out. That's down to individual talent, yeah. that. I'm sure if you if you watch Sunderland's
2: training sessions from Monday to Fridays and you looked at the shirt work that Chris Coleman did with the players, you probably would come away looking really impressed. Obviously, I don't know that for a fact, but you probably would, but then... You say on a Saturday, it transpires, like you say, a can't deal a ball in the box. And like you say, I don't think that's a coaching issue at all. It's not. Because, it's like you say, it's taking collective and individual responsibility. And I think, again, that comes from the back. I'm not pinning everything on the goalkeepers, but... You Know yourself from playing football if you're not confident in your goalkeeper I and mean, it just spreads throughout the team, it's like a virus and, yep. you can, and you can't really stop the spread of it. And club, clubs will be looking at that now saying just put the ball in the box, yep, yep. it I mean, doesn't even have to be a good
1: delivery, but, it wasn't but, even a good
2: delivery. And then, but again, it's a lack of physicality and a lack of hype because Nahui, I know he's had a good run of form lately, but he's not the most technically gifted footballer in the world, not particularly mobile, not particularly quick. Well, he gave our defenders a torrid afternoon just because he's a his physicality, and he's like a big
1: lad, you know what I mean. Do you think it was... I mean, because I've just said I thought we defended well there for the majority of the game. You disagree? You think he, he give our defenders a torrid time? I just, I, it's like you say,
2: like, I think it was every time they got the ball in around the, the box you kind of had that anxiety that they were going to score. I thought, I,
1: they, I thought they dealt with it though, personally.
2: They did, but then like you say, but I think every goal probably came from like, a, a, a mm. mistake at the back where we weren't tight enough and we allowed Nahui to get in there and... Mm. I agree with you, kind of a defensive shape was fine, but as I say, it's reacting to stuff when it happens and like I know I can't bang on about it, but moments, if if we, again, if we execute things correctly on Monday and the key moments in the game go out where we win the game or at least get a draw. You've
1: you just got to, you know, Wilson and, 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 and Camp, I would say, the most the way, you've just got to, Camp's got to come and clear, just clear, take people out and clear it and make it his and Wilson's got to do better sensing that danger behind yep. him. He's, he's got to deal with that better and and that's, Something that's, maybe O'Shea and Wilson, there's only so much you can do because they don't have the legs for it. And agility comes into it, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, it's probably not even their fault. It's just a lack of, not even a lack of ability, but a lack of agility, I would say. Yeah. Because, they, you know, they don't have the legs that they used to. I'm sure he would argue with me and say, well, I did actually sniff the danger. I knew where it was. I just couldn't. I couldn't get there to do anything about it, would yeah. be what he would say. I mean,
2: I never thought I would say it because I'm not his biggest fan in any way, shape or form, but Kornay was an absolute huge yeah. miss at the weekend. One, because of obviously the physical aspects, which we were talking about earlier, which is one of his biggest strengths, obviously, his like, height and his presence. But then also, I think, like you say, he'd be a bit more agile, he would be able to like, sense that danger a bit more and I think, like defensively, he would have helped us massively, Corny. I mean, we
1: were talking about that when the game wasn't actually saying, God, can you remember under Allardyce towards the end when Kornay and Kabul... And it was just like thou shalt not pass and less like, than two we, oh, years ago. And what, what you would give for that now because you can have good shape but you need you know you do need defenders with that ability to to stop, don't you? Um was the part of your disappointment because you were getting the sense or the realisation that we're playing alright, but it's not good when it's not good enough. Would you say?
2: Um, I think we're doing the best, but they're just not good enough. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just the realization as well that we've come to it so many times. I think that once the slightest thing goes wrong, I just don't think we're capable of reacting. I mean, yeah, I think we reacted well. The going behind for once we got the goal straight away, mm-hmm. and then we could have had the penalty, and um, obviously um shot. But in general, when we like you say, we've executed game plans before. But when something happens in the game and knocks us off that game plan then we never, I don't think we ever looked like really winning the game on Saturday once they went ahead. I mean, obviously we got about a 1-1, but like you say, every time they start to have a little bit of possession and control the game a little bit, you would just, you would just kind of almost wait for them to get a goal, which was.
3: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.
2: Disappointing.
1: Well, we're certainly going to keep conceding goals like that. Um, But... That goes without saying. Uh, What we'll do is when we come back, um, we will take a look at your tweets, answer your questions, and we're going to hear from Chris Cortman.
0: Wise Men Say, Sun FM preview show with Jennings Mazda next to the Stadium of Light. Discover the perfect ride with sales, main dealer servicing and guaranteed parts. Okay,
1: I asked some of you to tweet us uh, with your questions or to let us know if there was anybody out there still who thought Sunderland had a chance of staying up this season. On that, Michael. I mean, before the last three games, looking at the form of the teams in the table from December onwards, Birmingham were cut adrift of everybody else. They were rank miles away. They beat Sunderland, obviously, (laughs) but they were miles away from everybody else. Yeah, they've just won three games on the bounce. It it makes it harder, that doesn't it? As well, because you know, we can, of course, it's our fault, and it's you know, we deserve to be where we are. But that's a sickener as well when you don't expect the worst team in the division on form to then go and win three games in a row. We haven't won two back-to-back all season. Well, You might
2: not, but Birmingham have already had a spell like that before Christmas, didn't they? I remember before we played them, we were on a horrendous run and people were saying that Cockrell should lose his job. And I know he did ultimately get sacked, but to put a run together, mm. I think they played quite well at the stage. And we liked when we drew 1-1 with them and they went on a bit of a run then. And obviously they regress and that's why Cockrell got sacked. But they've
1: proven that they can put their runs together. Whereas we've never looked like it all season. Would you say Redding are the team now, if anybody? I mean, we're clutching. I, I think we will get relegated like like I'm sure you do. And like I'm sure most Sunderland fans do. Uh, I'll I'll get on a couple of tweets actually because somebody does reference uh, Reading as well. Uh, we have Richard at Year 6 Teacher. I thought we did well on Monday. Key decisions went against us at key times. The penalty, the second yellow card for Bannon. But let's not kid ourselves, we're going down not because of Monday. League One is certain. It's about keeping Coleman, new owners and keeping the promising kids for me. Uh, Chris Swinton uh, at Kiwi Eds. Until it's mathematically impossible to stay up, I hold out a bit of hope that we will But the evidence suggests that's not going to happen. Alex Campbell, stopped thinking we would stay up at Christmas. Want to know who and how we will get rid of the dross, given only a lunatic would buy some of our squad. And who from the under-23s should we focus on for League One in August? Christopher Scott, if we can win the next two, I suspect we go into the Reading game with a chance to go above them. But it's self-evident there's no realistic reason to think we will See, I'm not sure about that. I said to you before we come in, I think we'll get a result on Saturday against Leeds, I'll which go- will we'll come in now, and then we've got a chance. It's Norwich after that at home, yeah, which because of the way Norwich play, they're not a big physical team who get the ball in the box. I think that would suit us, to be honest, as well. The high intensity it would be Sunderland to win those two games, rein us all back in, Redding to go and lose a couple, and then for us to go to Redding and lose like 3 0 or 4 0. That would be. That would be typical of Sunderland, wouldn't it?
2: You're going to have me leaving the studio thinking <laughs> we can steal.
1: <laughs> what are you talking there? We just not get Proctor back in. Talk us all into <laughs> it. I'm sure he thinks we can steal. Um, James Whale, no, and what is the plan of attack to avoid relegation in League One next season? Oh, I've got, nah, yeah. even if we didn't spend a penny, I've got confidence our kids are better than most of the sides in League One. Um, and Ross Vaughan and Collier honestly would love a crack at some silverware next season, so long as there is a phase three for the Checker Trade Trophy good bit of banter there. All right, Chelsea under-23s
2: in the final. Mm. Jay Clark Salt gets a winner for Chelsea under-23s,
1: last minute. I'd love to know if Northumbria Police are going to have a word with the organisers right, just make sure and we strongly didn't play the Mags. advise that that game can't happen. Yeah, i being serious, I, honestly, I don't I, I, I,
2: I don't know how that would play out that game because I can see that game being played at the stadium light, and I don't know if I would go. Exact i don't know I think people would um boycott it. i I would i mean because mm. it's one of them we literally could not win that match because if we won and did anything other than polite applause, then it would be seen as obsessed and really sad but then if it was um if it was a low crowd there it would be empty seats empty seats mm. but then if like, it was a big crowd there we'd get this obsessed SMB, b isn't it so... mm.
1: no i agree. It's, it's just there's, there's no there's no outcome from that fixture what would make sunderland
2: us Sunderland fans look good. And as well, how would our how would our social media team try and build that game?
1: It can't happen. <laughs> it can't happen. I, I'm telling you I can't. And I'd be surprised if the police in the club have already um haven't already had discussions about it as well. Um right, so those are the tweets on staying up. Just to confirm, Michael, you don't think there's any chance of us staying up now? No. No. No? There you go, one word. All we need. <laughs> um right, okay. So we have Mr. Horizon one oh one. Hopefully, once relegation is confirmed, Chris Coleman will not buy players who he's getting rid of again and play the youngsters. The games won't matter anymore. It would be valuable game time for some who would probably do a job in League One. It's a very popular opinion that one. It is,
2: it? but I'll be interested to know who they mean when they talk about these young players because when you look at how many young players we already have involved.
1: I think I mean so Fletcher doesn't play again um Azaria who hasn't been starting in the last couple anyway, doesn't play again. Yeah. And you focus on Robson, um, Major, Zoro, people who are definitely gonna no,
2: be I d I, I don't disagree with that at all. Not at all. I'm just I'm just a bit wary when people talk about like um oh I like give a lot of the under 23s a chance because I I look, and I look at the under 23s and I think right who is ready to step to a plate amongst them. I'm not convinced it is that many
1: people. No, but I think and I think he's right not to before relegation is confirmed, but you can absolutely understand <laughs> oh, completely- him, him saying right this is your chance, you're starting early, um, you're oh. starting early, to to stick a claim for next Not season. well
2: completely, yeah. exactly, and it's a bit of an audition for him as well, some of the lads that haven't been getting mm. that football, particularly for Stride I mean, there's been a lot of calls for him to come in, so, if Stride did come in, when it doesn't matter, then that that would be probably a real good chance, he like a fair assessment of his ability, playing up like, upper level, because I've seen him quite a lot for the 23 Stride and, I, I do rate him to a certain degree, but I think he's got I think he's got a mistake in him and I just think in the environment that we're in now, if he made a mistake, he might get a little bit of a pass because he's a kid, but I just think there's that much frustration around the minute. I just think it could really destroy his confidence and when you're a keeper you tend to even if you can't say the goal, it's not your fault, you tend to absolutely batter yourself afterwards and I just I just think the environment for Strike to coming through right now just isn't there.
1: I just you no. Know, but I haven't seen him as much as you but i you know, he looks okay but i I don't think he's better than unfortunately than what we've got. Chris Coleman I was agree. Chris Coleman was asked about that.
4: Lee Camp and Jason Steele and of course they've both been playing and been up and down for, for the pair of them and they've had their critics but um they're way more experienced than Max. So I don't think Max is of that level yet where he, he, he comes in place for us in a situation wherein he's got certain things to do before before he reaches that.
1: That's probably the end of that one then, or you should hope so from from Coleman, but he said it in black and white there, it's not gonna happen, yeah. is it? Not gonna happen. Okay, um, Thomas Boyd, uh, new owners or not? I uh, definitely think will be new owners. Thomas, um, I take care of that. No, 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 not at all. I, really, if that that's how that came across, then I'm retracting that statement Im- immediately. I don't know anything. Um, new owners or not? Do you think Coleman is still the right man to lead Sunderland forward? Absolutely. Yeah, 100% for me as well. Do we need to see any more on that or not? Um, I think I would just add to
2: that because I think he's been a really good figurehead for the club, Coleman. And I don't think you could get a manager in League One who would be able to attract the calibre of player, which I think he'll be able to attract, particularly if we have new owners. I think if we've got not even a huge amount of money, but if we've got a little pot of money and we've got Chris Coleman who can attract players, I agree with what Lee Howie was saying on the show the other week, he might be able to get some players who are on the fringe of, who could maybe play for a low mid-table championship club, but they think, no, I want to play for Sunderland, who have Chris Coleman and who have a big stadium and who are like probably going to be the biggest club down there.
1: And as importantly as anything, um, we need a manager to finish the season and start the next season, Yeah, oh, However, whoever oh, that absolutely. is, because we can't have somebody come in again and have to assess all these players again we need. The, Coleman knows his squad now. He knows who the players are. He knows what kind of players he wants to bring. And he said he's already been planning for next season um, with different scenarios: scenario A, B, scenario C. You know, not just because I like Coleman, but whoever was was in charge. Now, remember, Mick McCarthy lost his first ten games as manager of Sunderland. Yeah, and you know he did turn it around for Sunderland. He did. So I, it's I mean,
2: imp- McCarthy even had a slow start of the next season. Hmm. Well, he lost the first couple, yeah.
1: didn't he? Um, Oh, no, he's one for you, Michael. The one. goalkeeper thing and the Manone point that people, <laughs> that people mention. It's from Richard Yersick's teacher again. Uh, Can you please mention this selling Menone for £2 million rubbish? He's hardly had a great season in the Championship. We should have easily been able to replace him for £2 quid. just being particularly unlucky with the three delinquents we've ended up with.
2: But we didn't replace him with better so therefore I don't think his point's particularly valid because... It's. I do agree with the main point about Minone. I mean, we used to look at him last year, and when he came inside, he looked a bit fragile. And Minone always has had a mistake in him. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think he's massively a confidence player. He has a couple stre- of seasons, not a couple of games. He has he has streaks of really good form, um, but then he also has like streaks where he looks really like dodgy and like flaps of things. But I don't think it's bad luck that we've got three bad goalkeepers. There's like scouting and recruitment, which we haven't executed properly. And that and that is why we're going to get relegated again because there's been no there's been no plan. We've just looked and gone right. Jason Steele, found the grand. Right, we'll have him. Robin Wright is on a free. We'll have him, and we've just kind of hoped that they're going to be the answer.
1: There's been no kind. I'd love of... to think Grayson actually did say it like that as well. Right. Okay, we'll have him <laughs> just sitting down, looking at like a list of players' names. And uh, the Steele thing's bizarre, and that that's on Grayson. That is. Right. Um, are we signing Steele? Of course we are. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just you know. A keeper who was at a side that got relegated and they let him go. or told him, you know, he could leave and rumours had it. He was, he was on his way at the National League, so absolutely crazy. You could blame Bain for the price he paid, I guess. Um, Eddie Clark has Coleman done enough in your opinion? Something we've already um, touched upon. I think he's Eddie's coming from the angle that new owners might want to bring their own man in. The rumours are the, the new owners... Um, are headed by local people in which case if there's Sunderland fans I would have thought Coleman's done enough personally not that I have an idea who, who, who it could be who who was involved in this uh, consortium Peter Stamp uh, assuming we're down and assuming Corne will go which two players would you really fight to keep at all if possible for him it would be McNair and you Can't you can't I, argue with that I can't say no I, you would if Watmore was fit, you would put him on that list, but he's not fit, so nobody's going to come in and give you money for a player who's had two serious injuries like that no. until he's back in the side playing. So I couldn't think of a better two to name, it, to be honest. I think, Peter, you've, you've pretty much nailed that one yourself there. McNair is is an interesting one, isn't it? Because when you talk about... A lot of people would say, right, well, we can get rid of like players like McGeady, for example, off the top of my head, McManaman. You still need teams to come in and give you money for these mm-hmm. players. McNair is a player who somebody would come in and give him money for I think if he if he doesn't get injured again from now till I, the end I was, of the season I was going
2: to say that might be the only block against
1: his Cockney I group. still think it's a, it's worth a punt for H- people who takes a punt do you reckon though probably one of the big spending championship clubs
2: I was going to say it would have to be a big spender because he he'll be, he'll be on decent wages won't he McNair yeah.
1: it'll be you know you'd think one of the relegated clubs or Borough, somebody in that category Villa if they don't go up they sign every player they can, don't they? Who's, who's got a name and a reputation? i right,
2: there's not a striker, so Steve Bruce yeah. is going to want to know, is he?
1: Yeah, true. A lot of them did sign Jedernak and um, Whelan and stuff. Didn't no. they? Um, Darren Elliott, two questions. Who were the second worst championship team ever? And how much worse than them are we? I actually looked up the answer for you there, um, Darren. Um, last season, Rotherham were the worst ever team. Since this is going back to when it became three points for a win and not two points for a win. Rotherham were the worst ever team at the second tier in the second tier of English football. That was only last season they finished on twenty three points. So we're on what, thirty one? Absolutely battled off. Yeah, oh yeah <laughs> them. Um little slugs. Not that long ago, Blackpool got twenty six points in two thousand and fifteen. Um, you look back then Millwall Stockport also got 26 points at this level that was in 1990 and 2002 respectively uh, Respectively, um, Millwall have bounced back <laughs> Blackpool not doing so well Rotherham not doing so well Stockport are playing the Ro- same league as Darlington now Rotherham are up there aren't they this season though, I'm, I'm sure Rotherham are in and around the playoffs oh, I take that back man, Rotherham fans sorry <laughs> um, the worst what kind of points do you think has been the worst ever in the football league we know Sunderland had a one point in the Premier League and Derby Probably. have that 11 points uh, now. But, right, okay, the, but, but, but since, this is since the Football League turned into a 24 team. League. Right,
2: okay. I was going to say Darwin from like the, the, no, the, no, the, the no, hundreds. No. Um, so this is
1: relatively new. This is like in the 1980s, I think, since, since, since 24 teams made up. Just give me a rough figure. If you, if you think Derby have 11 in the Premier League, before that it was us with 15. What kind of... You play a few more games in the Championship? Mm. Go on, come on. Have a guess. Well I'm not trying to catch you out. Well, I know yet, you yeah. I'm just
2: trying to have an educated guess. Um mm. so do you see a Rotherham last season got twenty-one? Twenty-three. Twenty-three. I'll twenty one then.
1: Twenty. Not clo- not far off. Doncaster Rover's managed twenty points in ninety seven, ninety eight season in division three. Okay. Right then. Um we have any more questions? We have one more. We did have somebody, sorry, I've lost I've lost you tweet We did have somebody reference Ray Wilkins, of course. The, the, the sad news about Awful. Ray Wilkins, um, especially when he's still relevant and you hear him on yeah, the radio yeah. or daily, it's not like he's been out of the public eye for a bit, you know. He's very much in the public no, eye, it's very sudden, isn't it? Sounds very, you know, was always came across like such a nice bloke. Um, but he was linking it to Sunderland loosely in a way by saying the, the amount of people who've come out today to uh say how good he was with the young kids in particular. Um, and and a reminder this tweeter of of what Jordan Pickford and Jordan Henderson have been saying about Kevin Ball recently and then just linking a background to saying is he wasted in his current role I think I don't need to answer that I think we've we've said on many occasions um, that we think Kevin Ball's wasted doing what he's doing Chris Coleman's his mate i will be very surprised if that wasn't looked at close season Uh, Chinese food or Indian food? Ryan Pallister's saying I feel like I don't feel like we should ask that question without Gareth no, he's, he's, he's the a food, connoisseur, isn't he? He's a yeah. food guy. He, he would give you a really like detailed response for that.
2: I mean, Stephen's just going to go, well, well, original, he, well, we, yeah, <laughs> and he
1: would look down at our replies and our answers, wouldn't he? Because oh, i, I will be really stereotypical and say we normally get Indian on a Sunday if we're going to get it, which is the specials night, which Gareth will probably turn his nose up at. Oh, stay that's with what that's... everybody does, that. A Chinese on a Saturday. Do you have a preference?
2: Um, I'm Chinese over Indian, but I'm not massively fussed on either.
1: Me neither. In fact, I think I go through phases where sometimes I like one, sometimes I like the other. Okay, we're going to hear from Chris Coleman now. Um, He's been talking about the results from the bank holiday weekend and the upcoming Leeds game.
4: Disappointments on many levels. Monday, we didn't back up the win on Friday, so we missed another opportunity to get back-to-back wins. Hence why we're in so much trouble and... It was a disappointment during the game of, you know, certain decisions that we never got that we felt was, were obvious decisions and, um, you know, we performed well enough to win the game, we didn't and then Tuesday you, you're looking at someone else to do you a favour and they don't, Birmingham end up winning and the point gap becomes more, it's one less game, so it's all going in the wrong direction for us and that's quite, uh, can be overwhelming but, yeah, you know, eight points, that gap's getting bigger the games are less that we got to play. So looking at it, we'd have to win four or five games to to give ourselves a chance. We've won six all season. So it's all stacked against us. Nevertheless, um we still got a job to do. You know, we've still got to go into the, until it's final and someone says you that's it. You know, we've we've just got to the last two games we've gone out to win the games. We said we'll take we'll take the consequences. We've got to go and try and win the game. Um, and we've got to do that on Saturday against Leeds. Who have been having a tough time themselves. Um I've just said, you know, if we come back from Leeds with a point, normally you say that's that's good, you know, but it won't be. We've got to get three points. We've got to go there to win the game and that's 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 the uh that'll be the message to the players as well.
1: Okay, quickly, because I want to go out on Chris Coleman, actually, Michael. Um like you saying, we've we've played okay the last two games. Uh you mentioned Corner being a miss. For that reason, would Corner back in the side be the only change you would make for the starting eleven?
2: if he was fit. Yeah, just um, one final comment I would like to make is uh, I don't think we've touched on Lyndon Gooch's contribution that much. Okay. And I think he just he's really stood out for me over the last couple of games. Um, I think technically he's still got his faults. I mean, obviously he put in a really good ball for Honeyman's equaliser on Monday. But yeah, I mean, I understand where people are coming from saying he hasn't developed maybe as quickly as he has done and Honeyman's kind of outstripped him a little bit. But I just think like Gooch's energy... He was, some, he was better than Honeyman on, on, Against he, Sheffield Wednesday He, he was And yeah. I think on Friday He was outstanding When he won the penalty as well And just as you say He gets a ball And he just drives the people Sometimes he's a little bit naive And he hangs on the ball A little bit too yeah. long But the more, the more he plays I think the better he'll get And next season
1: He could be a player That really shines In League One for me Yeah no I totally totally agree And I think those players Will be much better for it In League One And we just hope There's a little bit of cash To spend <laughs> Just a little bit. We don't even need much, do we? No. And, and I wouldn't encourage them. Went and I wouldn't want them to go and rip it up and start again the because there are good some some good young players there who you can add to. So that would be the only change for you, Coleman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just want to mention our live show before we we go out with Chris Coleman. I think you'd be very interested in in what he has to say about the uh, likelihood that Sunderland are going to be in League One next year. Um, we have a live show 23rd of April at the Peacock Pub in Sunderland. As I'm sure you know, we have an affiliation with those guys. Um, five pound a ticket. Uh, they're selling going going along quite nicely. And there's normally a, a last uh, ditch rush for those tickets in the week leading up to it. They all go. It's selling out faster than they normally do. Um, so get yourself along. It's only five quid. They put a drinks um, offer on as well for the night. So they're reducing certain drinks for the night. And um, we have Lee Howey. And Stephen Elliott, so two former Sunderland players from a different era, both live in the area, um, both very passionate about yep. Sunderland, um, both speak very well about Sunderland. So go onto our website to see how you can do that, which is, of course, wisemensay.co.uk. Right, Chris Coleman has always said that uh, he thinks we'll stay up, he keeps reiterating that point, but he has been speaking today about. The dreaded happening for Sunderland, and this is kind of where we should all be. Um, this, ha- this should be all of our take on the situation.
4: If we drop, the very least we can say, right, let's we can start again from from here, from there or there, and that could be a big positive in the long run. That could be a positive. Um, of course, in the short in the short term, it's it's negative because you are suffering that feeling of. It's like a disastrous relegation, you know, and it's back-to-backs. And that's always tough. But in the long run, it may not be the worst thing that happens to the club. We don't want it to happen, of course. We don't. We want to. We want to build from the championship. Um, if the worst comes to the worst, it may not be the, the worst thing in the long run. Yeah, it'll, it's, it hurts everybody in the short term because we're all we're all a part of a failure. But in order to build something, you know, sometimes you got to go there to come back again and we We'll have to wait and see, but um, if you look at Wolves, you look at Blackburn and clubs like this, Southampton have done it. they've dropped, cleaned everything out, and then started again uh and you know they've had good results from doing that, so it's just the experience is not very nice if it's gonna happen to us, and we're all going through it uh, but it's not happened yet. The odds are stacked against us, but it's not happened yet there's you know there's there's still a chance it's against us, of course, but uh we got to wait and see.
0: Wise Men Say Sun FM Preview Show with Jennings Mazda next to the Stadium of Light. Discover the perfect ride with sales, main dealer servicing, and guaranteed parts.